We're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We concentrate in on NFL, NBA, and sometimes UFC. It is a big time for the NFL, and basketball is about to be in to play. Our main subjects this week will be the, the NFL and a seven-game highlight highlights and questions. Uh, there is a big change in the college sports play for no pay issue. And the NBA, we'll have a little segment with that one for the preseason starting just in days. But I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex, and go ahead and say something for Mohammed. Hey, just want to say what's up to all the listeners. Thank you for listening, and keep listening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have many different platforms. You can tell your friends about us. We're pretty entertaining. Um, but we have an IG a YouTube along with uh, Twitter. So add us, comment on us, uh, watch it, listen to us through Apple um, podcasts and many different platforms. But we're going to jump straight in. We start off with the NCAA, and there's a big thing that has happened in the landscape of college. Uh, LeBron is kind of also tied into this. Now, on LeBron's show, The Shop, on HBO, Governor of California signs a bill, Bill 206, that you will really hear about a whole lot coming up here, uh, that makes it possible for student athletes, for the first time, able to make money off their likeness. Uh, This comes with a lot of issues for the NCAA and their rules on not paying student players a part of the millions, if not billions, they make each year. So I propose the question. Do you feel that this will force the NCAA to work with the universities nationwide to start paying players? Really, it's I, I feel like it's about time that they do finally have the option to make money off of their own likeness. I, I really think this is going to have to make the NCAA change up their rules. Well, I, what I think it is uh, to answer the question on uh, do I feel that this will force the NCAA to work with the universities nationwide to start paying players. I think it will force them eventually. I think there is going to be this slight grace period between when players in California are going to get played, going to get paid for playing, and between the rest of the nation, which is going to create a whole lopsided effect. But if the NCAA is smart, they'll do it before the 2022 2023 season because that's when this would come into play it's not immediate this is not a in the next two years but you can kind of say in the next two and a half years this is going to come about so i do think it's going to force them but the whole system is going to get messed up and lopsided before any of that uh makes it to its actual point where the ncaa actually feels they need to pay these players so when you say they pay these players, are they paying them a salary or they can just sign stuff with their autograph and make money off of it? Okay, well, to go uh, deeper into it, it's their likeness. It's not that the universities will actually be paying these players. It's just allowing people who are 18 or above at this point, well, we'll say 17, even if they're playing basketball, but they get to actually earn off of their their likeness. That means signing, doing signatures on uh, on jerseys and things like that, where they had to simply give that away or do it for the university to gain money. 
they can now gain money off that. They can now get contracts with Nike, Adidas, and all of these other companies that see that they are such a great talent. This not, does not specifically say in any way that the colleges will be play, paying these players. Well, I, I see absolutely nothing wrong with that. They're making money off of their own name, which is a great thing. Whenever you get out of high school, you're able to go to a, a job and make money off of the work that you put in. And why shouldn't it be the same with the college athletes? Um, they're putting in work every day, trying to uh, play the best that they can, putting their body on the line. So I don't see why they wouldn't be able to make money off of their own likeness. Yeah. And there are a lot of oxymorons in our current uh, society. I'll just throw a couple things like you can go die for your country, just not to get too political, but uh, you can go to the army army and be 18 and die for your country, but you cannot drink till you're 21. Uh, just like you can go earn a wage after high school at any or other normal job, play, uh, work for ESPN or work as a coach after this point, and you can earn money. But as an athlete who puts their body on in the on the line. You cannot profit in any way outside of the university giving you a stipend, which is not not uh, worth uh, even mentioning. No, it's it's probably like five or six hundred dollars a month, which is yeah. really not much when it adds up at the end of the year. Well, what they're saying is they provide you with education, they provide you with. Uh, housing, they provide you with constant food, we give you the best of the best. Uh, that's, what, that's what their stance is, and that it's going to mess up the fairness of college sports. Just, just to let the nation know, college sports are not fair. Uh, when you can recruit in different ways, you have different money for different universities, uh, it's simply not an equal game, but they're pretending that it is. No, it's not an equal game at all. I mean, these players, basically, their life is sports and classroom. There's basically almost no middle time. I mean, there probably is just a little bit, but it's not much. Like, you're gone all day with classes, um, meetings for uh, well, team meetings, workouts. You're, I mean, you're up early and you're out late all throughout the day, just with classes and um, team practices and meetings. So it's basically a job. It's a not even a nine to five job. It's all day. <laughs> yes, it's, you represent the university at all times. You can't do anything wrong. Uh, it, it's a lot of criteria on pretty much being owned by the university until you're eligible to go to it at a professional level. When my whole argument is, some of these players, their best years are their collegiate years. Not everyone makes it to the pros, and you should, you definitely should earn off of your popularity, image, and everything that is exploited during this time. Yeah, I have to agree. I don't see anything wrong with them making money off their own likeness. I mean, some players are going to be more popular than others. So, I mean, that that's just the way it goes. It's not like the universities will be paying them. Um, they're not losing out on any money. They're still going to get those sponsors. I'm talking about as far as the NCAA college teams. They'll still get those sponsors. They'll still get all the promotions, um, billions of dollars. Why not let a player make money off of his own name? I completely agree. Um, 
I, I think it's well. This is going to create a very odd situation where now this automatically puts out California teams out of the NCAA. It strictly it, it violates their biggest rule, which is play, actually paying the, their product, uh, which is the players, uh, which is outrageous to even think about. Uh, but uh, since it's going to be these teams like UCLA and USC, because this is not just football, just to kind of uh, give you a bigger picture of this. This is not just football. This is not just basketball, but this is all collegiate sports. So if you're great at tennis at this time, you can get money off of it. If you're great at soccer at this time and uh, uh, a company feels the use in you at that time, you also get money. This is not just one collegiate uh, type of player. This is not just basketball, football, which most people are going to think of it as. So could you see the best uh, best college players going to California teams if the NCAA does not change its rules? Yeah, I, I, I would definitely see that. As somebody coming straight out of high school, for you to get the opportunity to make money off your own name, especially if you're a big recruit coming out of high school, of course I'll go over to California. And, I mean, you make plenty of money over there. And you would already have the housing uh, with the college, food and everything. I mean, making the money from the likeness of your name, that's just going to push you even more in that direction. So those California teams, they might be getting a lot of talent heading their way pretty soon. Yes, it's going to make these stars very much modern-day superstars. So where Vince Young was great for those years, because you have to be in college for at least three years. You have to play college football before you can go to the league, or I think it's an age range after that point. Uh, I think it's at least three years removed from high school. I think that's the official rule. Um, but that puts a lot of time where their body is being battered and bruised, and they get no benefit off of it. Um, so I think that it's going to make modern-day superstars where – like Zion, Zion would have produced so much money in this past year. Now, I'm talking about Zion Williamson, who got drafted number one to the Pelicans in the NBA. His story alone off of one year would produce a immense amount of money that he would already be stacked for his jump to the professional league. NBA has a shorter rule on that. It's only going to take one year. Uh, but football, you, it takes three years. Three years of your life where you're not gaining the money that these other people are getting off of you. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, with, with three years, I feel like with football, they, they have to develop some. I would say maybe two years is probably better. If you're not really looking to get that college degree, that's probably better for somebody coming straight out of high school because they still need to develop and get bigger because the NFL is just a different league. I think the NFL shouldn't change their rule. It's fine. It's completely fine that you have these players stay in that league for those three years. But this is only fine with the NCAA actually letting you earn off of your image during that time. It fixes the complete issue of their when they should gain money. Because if you can gain it in college and you're there for three years, you're just getting smaller money so that if you get to the professionals, you get bigger money. So... Overall, I don't think the NFL has a problem with the three years. I think it's more a problem. Of, it's completely the problem of the NCAA. Uh, but to move it along, 
Now, how much of this is due to LeBron James applying his influence on the issues of the NCAA system being broken because it does not allow players to profit off of all uh, profit off of all they do during their career? How much is this due to LeBron James' influence? I'm really not familiar with all of what he's done as far as getting college athletes. Well, I, I guess I'll address, uh, since I know a little bit more about it, and maybe okay. you can answer off of that. Well, LeBron James has been in the forefront of trying to get this passed with California. Uh, what was a slight backstory, which should have been a main story throughout this time, uh, they proposed this, this law, uh, this bill, to the governor. Even if the governor did not sign it, it would have had to go to another level uh, to be passed, but it wouldn't be denied. He directly signed it and made sure he went on the show, The Shop, that LeBron has on HBO to do it in front of cameras. So he, he wanted to purposely put it out there that I'm highly in favor of this being the situation going forward. And I'm cool with the fallout that's going to come from all these millionaires who profit off of college players being not not making money off of their image because they are making the money off that image and so that's millionaires calling this uh, california governor to veto this bill well lebron has been in the forefront of this he has been tweeting about it when he has a chance he's bring bring light to a bill that nobody would have paid as much attention about he's he's been there at the front of this completely uh, to get this passed. And he directly got it passed in front of him on his show. So that's why I asked how much of this is due to LeBron's influence or this is maybe, maybe it's an eventual thing that has just happened. Well, I, I think um, LeBron, he played a big part in it, but I also think it's, well, really he probably put the word out there and it just gained traction. I think in the past few years, it's really gotten a lot of traction where people are saying, you know, college athletes, they deserve to get paid. They're putting their body on the line. Um, they only get this, uh, I guess, a certain amount of money for spending when it comes to just them getting clothes or whatever. And um, more and more people, even in the media, are saying, you know, college athletes, they deserve to get paid or at least make money off of their own likeness. Um, so I, I'm thinking that LeBron James, he probably put the word out there in some light. I mean, I haven't really been paying attention to him that much when it comes to that, but um, it's really gained traction over the past few years, and he put the word out there. Yeah, I, I would say I would agree with that, but I think he had a heavy hand in this. Yeah, this is actually old beef. This is beef that has been since LeBron has gotten out of the uh, out of high school. Uh, the NCAA already had beef with him when it came to his mother purchasing a Hummer back when he was still a high schooler about to be drafted as number one in the NBA. This beef is very old beef between the uh, organization of the NCAA and LeBron. LeBron has been vehemently against going to any school in the NCAA, any collegiate uh, place, mostly because they do not pay their players and he knew his actual worth at that time just so happened to work out in his favor that the nba didn't have this rule of having to be 
uh, one year removed from high school. So this beef is very old. LeBron has made it uh, actually it, for people who've just paid attention to that side. No, he has been clearly on this side for a long time, and it was it has been what sixteen years he's been in the league, and this is now where he is fully putting his foot down to stamp his influence on it being passed. Yeah, well, um, that's well said. I, I, <laughs> I had no idea that he was fighting this long. I've only just paid attention to the basketball side of what he's been doing. I know he's done a lot of other great things as far as getting uh, the school built, the I Promise School and everything. I know he gave, well, he did a lot in the community. I just didn't know that he did this part also. Yeah, uh, it's a little uh, less uh, put out their story, which uh, they don't really go for the storylines of what LeBron does for the community other than that school for the most part. Uh, he does other things. But to move along a little bit here, because we're going to get to football pretty quickly here, uh, but the NBA starts October 22nd. We are now in October uh, for, and that will start, for the 2019-2020 season. Uh, now, to kind of give a little humor to the, the beginning of this NBA season, Kawhi Leonard was shown on the Jumbotron at a Los Angeles Rams game on Sunday. He was booed by the fans at this home game in L.A. So I ask, will this ever be a Clippers town, Los Angeles? No, it'll never be a Clippers town, even if they win the championship this year. Um, the, the Lakers have run L.A. for many years. It doesn't matter how terrible the Lakers are. They will always be the the most well-looked-at team in L.A. The Clippers will always be the stepbrother. But, I mean, maybe in 50 years, if they can continually win... <laughs> they <laughs> they can be thought of as a, a, a better franchise, but for now, no, they they will never be the they they will never be king in L.A. Okay, <laughs> you're you're right, but I'm gonna say it a little bit different way. Uh, Doc Rivers, because Doc Rivers recently said that he would he told the owner to move the team to Seattle if the Lakers got Kawhi. I think he had the right idea there if he ever thought that L.A. was going to be a Clippers town. I think they were really up for a rude awakening. There might actually be Laker fans that go to Clipper, Clipper games simply to boo the Clippers. The Lakers haven't had much to cheer about in these past years. And like you said, they even when they're not good, people still are Laker fans. Uh, I, I, I really wasn't a Laker fan. I'm a LeBron fan. I'll be make that very clear. But when it comes to overall Laker fans in, in L.A., they're always Laker fans. Clippers are the stepbrother. So I, I say it will never be a Clippers town. They, they're best to move anywhere else in California, and they'd be better off. Uh, and at, to get rounded all in, the Lakers haven't had anything to actually celebrate, and they actually have a full view of a possible championship over the sunset. Yeah, this is the best assembled team since the last time they've been to a NBA Finals. Yeah, 
And I, I think this is going to – it's not going to end up how they've planned it. They, they, they brought a good show to L.A., and people are going to watch on TV. But I think when it comes to actual L.A. regionally, it's not going to many, be many Clipper fans. The only reason why there were Clipper fans before when Chris Paul, Blake Griffin were there, Lob City was there, was only because the Lakers weren't good. <laughs> to move it along, though, um, is it a big deal that in L.A. Uh, that Paul George doesn't plan on playing until November because he is still going to be sidelined with an injury to his shoulder? Is it a big deal? Yeah, I think it is a big deal because um, Kawhi Leonard, he's going to load manage himself. He's not going to play every game. And then when you couple that in with uh, Paul George being out, that's going to put them behind the eight ball. So I I think this team is going to get a slow start, and they're going to have to catch up somewhere around the December-January time and get on a roll. Yeah, I, I I agree. And what's weird is they're going to try to play makeup uh, when it comes to playoffs and stuff like that. They feel they're, they're going to take the LeBron type of mental about it. Uh, the only thing that matters is the playoffs. That's also what Kawhi was about. Low management, it's all about the playoffs. Well, I think they're in for a rude awakening. They, like I was saying, with the, uh, them actually thinking that people are going to be Laker, Clippers fans, they are relying on an existing team to do at least as good as they did last year. They are a different team. They are a different chemistry. And they don't really know whether Kawhi and Paul George can actually work together. They play the same position. This is one reason why um, Paul George was actually afraid when they drafted Kawhi. Uh, to the Pacers back then, and they never really did play together. They ended up playing; they're now playing together uh, when it comes to the Clippers. Once PG gets back, so yes, I do think it's a big deal, and they are going to be behind the eight ball when it comes to the uh, Battle of LA. When it comes to them playing together, I think they can play together well because I feel like they both complement each other well. They both play very good defense and they can shoot most times efficiently. Um, And they don't always need the ball. But if they need to get the ball, they will. So I'm thinking that they'll still succeed together. Okay. So who do you expect more out of? Uh, Paul George and Kawhi or James Harden and Russell Westbrook? <laughs> are, are you saying, like, who do I feel like is going to go further? Or no, just who, who do you expect more out of? Like, because we don't know how they're going to end, but at this point, you, what, who do you expect more out of? Do you expect more out of Kawhi and Paul George, or do you expect more out of Harden and Russell Westbrook, who are two of the last three MVPs of the league. Well, I really expect a lot out of um, the Houston the Houston Rockets duo with uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. These guys have failed at the highest moments, but they've put up the biggest numbers. So the only thing they're really missing is an NBA championship, and they they still might not ever get it, but if it's 
ever a year for them to get it. I think this is the year. And I uh, expect a lot out of them. Yeah, I actually agree with you. Now, nationally, I think there's more expected of Kawhi and Paul George. But thinking logically, it's actually expected more out of uh, Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook because they have been great talents. They've actually played together multiple times throughout their – since they were children till now. Uh, they It's not like they played with each other consistent, but they played on OKC for a couple of years together along with now grouping together uh, at the Rockets. He, they have supposedly uh, stepped up. And one reason why I expect more out of the Rockets than the Clippers is because I think even if the Clippers don't win this upcoming year, it's not a failed situation. I think they are actually more shooting for the following season other than this actual season. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, the Rockets, they are in win-now mode. They have to win this year. And I also think it's the same thing for the Lakers. They have to win this year. There's a, there's a few teams, they're just like, we have to win this year. But somebody's going to come up empty. Um, hopefully, the Rockets uh, get that that title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can. I don't know whether they're gonna win the. I, I don't know. I just don't see that happening. You know, I'm I'm going with the Lakers all the way on this one. Of uh, course, it, it's just gonna be extremely exciting because we don't know how this is gonna play out. Oh, we actually do know how it's gonna play out. It's gonna play out to be great basketball all the way around the board. It's a a more even slate of loaded teams with duos but to move to football as a lot of people know the results but there are better questions to ask about these games that came about this past weekend uh i we start with probably the best game and the best show on sunday which was the chiefs versus the lions these are two three and oh teams going into this matchup on sunday now the uh, lions felt they had the game in hand with two minutes and 26 seconds left in the game, since they held Patrick Mahomes to no touchdowns so far in this game. Now, that's not how it ended. Patrick Mahomes, in classic fashion, drives them down the field to win a dramatic, in dramatic fashion, but still gaining no touchdowns. So, do you feel that the Lions should should be disappointed with this loss? Yeah, they should be disappointed because of that. Those fumbles, that's what really cost them the game. If it wasn't for those fumbles, they would have easily won this game. They they, they fumbled, I think, twice near the goal line whenever they were about to score. And then there was another fumble where uh, a Chiefs cornerback returned it for a touchdown, and they reviewed it. So it, if they get rid of those costly fumbles, the Lions, they win this game, I, I, I would say handily, because they they were making Patrick Mahomes a little bit uncomfortable. He wasn't on target as he usually is. Um, he, he still played well, I think, but it wasn't the classic Patrick Mahomes just destroying everybody. Uh, I would say this actually showed, uh, showed that the Lions will disappoint you as they have always disappointed people in the past. Anybody who has a real faith in the Lions. Uh, not to get on them too hard, but did we really expect them to win this? 
No. Exactly. So why are we so torn up about I guess we're torn up because it was actually a close game and it might have seemed like they might have had a chance. But if you actually look at this, at all worst cases for Patrick Mahomes, pretty much the star. No, we know the star of the Chiefs and the NFL right now. At all costs, with no touchdowns, they still lost a game against against them. So, yeah, they should be a little disappointed. Uh, well, they should be quite disappointed. With the results, actually, no, 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 sorry. Let me change my answer. They should not be disappointed because this is just a little bit more of their normal. <laughs> no, they should be very disappointed. They were playing at home. They were play, playing pretty well. It's just those costly fumbles. If they didn't fumble like three times, especially near the goal line, they have that game in the bag. Like, seriously, they they were really giving the Chiefs a run for their money, and they were playing pretty well on defense. Um, I know well, that's another up. reason. Go ahead. Well, well, that's not another reason not to be disappointed. I, I, even though they lost, I actually gained more respect for the Lions. But it is still a little <laughs> bit more of their normal. So you're saying they gained a moral victory? They they don't want that. Yeah, yeah. That's the only reason why I feel they shouldn't be disappointed. That's about your emotions. Now, uh, if you said they should, they feel bad about this loss. Uh, I guess either way, I still feel it's a moral victory for them because they held him to no touchdowns. They fought it out. It's like the little man trying to beat up Mike Tyson, and you gave him a good fight, but he still won in the end. Uh, you give the little guy credit. That's what you just do. I, the way you're talking about the Lions as if they're just a trash team. When the last time were they winners? When was the when the last time they had a winning season? I'm not sure, but this is a new season, and so far they haven't been trash. I agree, but they've also did this in the first game and tied a game they never should have tied. Yeah, they they let up a game that they should have never tied. But I think the Lions are a little better so than this, what we usually think. I I hear you, but even if you're counting off of this season. That is the only example of something similar happening to them. That's the only other time that they didn't win or lose. They tied. The other ones, they won. Yeah, well, um, I think the Lions, they, they might take a lesson off of this. But their season isn't over. Um, they played well for the most part. If it wasn't for those fumbles, they pretty much had this game because they were moving the ball like it was – Nothing, really. Um, I'm really concerned about the Chiefs' defense. They said they upgraded, but it doesn't seem like it. Well, that's a perfect question because I, it actually leads me to the, uh, the last question or second to last question about it. Uh, are the Chiefs one great defense away from being a Super Bowl team, or do they have all that they need? They don't exactly have all that they need, but they are a Super Bowl contender. They have uh, multiple weapons on offense, um, and they have playmake uh, a huge playmaker in Patrick Mahomes um, and a great coach, offensive-minded coach in Andy Reid. So I think they have everything that they need on offense. The defense still looks like it's a troubled one. Um, they can make plays, but not enough. And with the right quarterback on the other side opposing the Chiefs, they will get exposed. I agree. So what I think the Chiefs need 
is Jalen Ramsey. I think they need to make that trade. I honestly think they're the ones who are going to end up with him on their team at the end of this year. Um, so to kind of answer the question of uh, are the Chiefs one great defense away from being a Super Bowl team, I would say yes, they are. I think they're one player away from being a Super Bowl team because they need, they absolutely need to match the Patriots defense. They they need to be able to apply pressure to Tom Brady, which uh, kind of showed to give him trouble yesterday. It moves us to the Patriots versus the Bills game where two undefeated teams also came into this matchup. That would be, yes, the Bills. The Bills were undefeated up to this point, and we know the Patriots have been pretty good this year. Now, the Pats come out of this with a win, even though Tom Brady had zero touchdowns, one interception, and a season low of 150 yards. So did the Patriots, uh, Patriots show you more with their gritty win? Or did Patrick Mahomes uh, and the Chiefs show you more with Patrick Mahomes not having any touchdowns? Um, it's really hard to compare these two games because um, one was more offensive-minded and the other one was more defensive-minded. Um, really, for the, for the Patriots, their injuries showed it finally caught up to them because they've had a lot of injuries on the offensive line and they've had to bring in a lot of veteran offensive lines from, I mean, offensive linemen from other teams to kind of mix match in there. And also dealing with uh, Edelman, he had a rib injury. He was wearing extra padding. Um, Josh Gordon, he's been hurt. Um, so really the only healthy people were, I guess, James White and Philip Dorsett. So now, I mean, they look pretty thin at their weapons when just a couple of weeks ago, they looked like they were um, unstoppable. Um, but when you compare the two, I think that the Chiefs definitely look better in their win as far as on offense. Um, and the Patriots look better on their defense with the win. Okay. I, I can kind of agree because I wouldn't say that the Patriots and Mahomes and them showed me great things about their offense because that is not how good their offense can look. Uh, but I say the Chiefs showed me more the, and than the Patriots. The Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs showed me that without Patrick Mahomes being the great star he is by just being a touchdown machine and everything, that he can win the gritty way also. He can win getting 317 yards but no touchdown. That means he can put you – he displays an attitude of Tom Brady-ness, which is I don't care how we score or who scores as long as we score. Shoot, they don't even care when it comes to uh, watching other people's practice, but that's a whole other subject. They had to run the uh, – just a side note, they had to run um, Bill Belichick's son off of the sidelines when they were watching their pregame practice along with a, another assistant. <laughs> but um, I would say, yeah, that the – she showed me more and the Pats showed me that they're just beat up right now. Yeah, but their defense, wow. Um, they continue to impress me. I don't think the Bills' offense is really that great, so they still haven't faced their toughest test yet. But um, we'll see moving forward. I, I would say maybe 
whenever the Ravens come. That's when they'll get their real test, I think. Yeah, and a perfect um, segue because we're moving on to the Browns and the Ravens. Many thought that the Ravens would come out with this with a win because they've just been so dominant with Lamar Jackson. But the Browns won behind their running back Chubbs three touchdowns. They the Browns have won on Sunday forty to twenty five against the Ravens. Are you hopping off the Ravens bandwagon and are you back on for big expectations for the Browns? Really, I feel the exact same way. I think the Browns still have to improve and show me more because I, I feel like they they will be an inconsistent team. It, they'll be week to week. You don't you never know how they're gonna play. I think the Ravens were just surprised at how well the Browns played against them, and the Ravens they will bounce back. Um, I think this I think that this will be a battle to the end with the Ravens and the Browns when it comes to the AFC North um, division title. So I I feel exactly the same. I, I think the Ravens are still a pretty good team. Um, they just had an off game, especially on the defensive side. Um, and the Browns, they are just an inconsistent team that sometimes they play very well and other times they won't. And they should start um, surrounding everything with their running back, Nick Chubb, instead of Baker Mayfield. I completely agree. So uh, we pretty much agree on this one because uh, I'm not hopping off the Ravens bandwagon. And I I might have for maybe one week had big expectations for the Browns. That's when you're thinking of all the weapons they have. But then I came a little bit to earth. And, of course, we all know they're the Browns. So that speaks for itself. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I think this was just a down week for the Ravens. I still put a whole lot of faith behind uh, Lamar Jackson. And I think Baker Mayfield might be a cancer to the team. I, I, really, wow. I really hate to say that like that. But not – when it comes to attitude, not when it comes to off the field, not when it comes to being a leader, when it comes to his performance, because I was not impressed at all by Baker Mayfield in that win. It was completely the running back who won them this game. Uh, and Baker Mayfield really didn't put up any stats like that. It, it showed that the Browns had an extremely great, I'm uh, sorry, an extremely well, uh, put together a team that can actually work together, but it did not seem like Baker Mayfield was supposed to be the quarterback that's supposed to fit that system. So it seems like Baker Mayfield is the worst offensive, maybe not worst offensive player, but he's dragging them down is what you're saying. Yeah, and before this season, if you told me, uh, do I take Baker Mayfield or do I take, take Jameis Winston, even though I have this long hope that Jamin Winston is going to end up like maybe Cam Newton or anyone, uh, any pretty good quarterback. I, I would have said Baker Mayfield. And now, just four games in, shoot, if at two games in, I was ready to throw Baker Mayfield back in the box. <laughs> yeah, um, really, when it came to picking out of those two, I'm, I wasn't completely sold on Baker Mayfield. I know he did good last year, but I don't know why people just put him at the top of the hill like he just was the best quarterback last year. He he played well, but he did not play 
great. Like, he, he wasn't one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year. Um, and Jameis, he has been inconsistent as, I, I don't know, like, he's, he's been up and down, throwing interceptions left and right. But he's played very well this season, um, Jameis Winston. So it would have been up in the air picking between Baker Mayfield and Jameis Winston. I agree because I have a long hope that he does uh, end up being better than the broad media uh, puts him out to be. Uh, so still with the uh, questions about the Browns here, are you now comfortable with saying the Browns, since, since they are now 2-2 two and two and they are at the top of the division, above the Ravens and above the Steelers and above the Browns, sorry, the uh, Bengals, do you, are you comfortable with saying the Browns will now win their division after taking out their biggest competition, the Ravens? Not at all. This is a long season. Both of these teams are two and two, so it's really it's an even playing ground. There is it's zero and zero. Whoever wins the most games after this, they will be crowned the champion. So this this is like a whole new season. I, I hear you, and that's crazy that after a what it would look like a beatdown of forty to twenty five, where they directly just beat the team that would even be closest to them in the division, even though they still have an even. Uh, record, people still don't have the faith in the Browns. This shows you exactly how, what people see in the Browns, even though they are winning these games here and there, they are very inconsistent, as you said before. Yeah, the Browns, they still need to play at least four or five games well consistently. Until I see that, I won't have any faith in them. I agree. Uh, Now, we move on to the Raiders and Raiders, who win one over the Colts uh, this past Sunday, 31-24. to That is not a big story at all because nobody's really interested in the Raiders or the Colts right now uh, due to various reasons we've said before. But the biggest story was Montez Burfick, who is a defensive player for the Raiders. He gets suspended for the rest of the season after – doing a helmet-to-helmet hit versus a player in the, on the Colts on Sunday. Vontaze Burfick is a captain of the Raiders team and has only played for two teams, even though he's had 15 personal fouls in his career. So do you feel sub- suspending him for the rest of the year was too rash with a full-year suspension? At first glance, whenever I first saw this, I thought, wow, the whole year? This is the beginning of the season. But Valentin's perfect. He's had a lot of instances where he's had some flagrant penalties. He goes for guys' knees. But over the past few years, I, I think he's slowed down a little bit, maybe a little bit. I haven't really been paying attention to him that much because the Bengals have been trashed. That's the team he was on before this. But um, I think, in a way, it is justified because I think he's got multiple warnings about, you know, if you go anywhere near these uh, dirty hits or plays, you're going to get a lengthy suspension and fine. So, in a way, I I think it is justified. Well, I was 
in the beginning, when I heard this, I felt, yeah, they were justified completely. Yeah, get suspended for the whole year, maybe not even ever back in the NFL. That was my first thoughts. Then I had to look at both sides of this. Now, looking at both sides of it, this, I'm going to look at the player's side because he is going to appeal this and more than likely he's going to get less games because they went from a uh, suspension of four games to another suspension of four games to now a 12-game suspension uh, just to kind of be to jumping to how what penalties he's had, what he's actually gotten uh, suspended for a while in those situations. Now, looking at the player side, you've now put him out of a job. He no longer has an income over a long period of time, and you've also blackballed him for the entire league off of a hit, which, yeah, he, he has done some very dirty things, but let's be comparative to the other things that we allow in the NFL. We allow outside things like domestic uh, abuse or like many different things that we allow these players back in. And as far as I know, he hasn't had a problem off the field. So to make it to where he cannot earn anymore is pretty much a problem when you look at it from his side. Yeah, when you look at it from his side, it's, uh, it's terrible. He, he can't provide for his family. I hope he saved his money. But um, it's, it's, it's terrible for him. Um, but he has a history of making dirty plays. I, I guess the hit wasn't – you know what? Let me, let me look at that hit really quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it actually wasn't too bad. It was – we knew he was targeting. You, you know, uh, we just completely anybody can notice that he's targeting. But the suspension should not be that long. It should not be an entire season. If anything, hey, double up on the four games and give him eight games. That is very significant, and that does put a big chunk of his income out of his pocket. Yeah, and just from looking at the hit, it looks like. I, I, well, I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't watch that game completely so I'm not sure what happened right before uh, the receiver was on the ground whether he was down by contact or not but it looks like he was just trying to finish the play so in this instance I think it was pretty harsh to suspend him for the rest of the year maybe give him a couple games but the rest of the year it didn't look like that much of a dirty hit he was just trying to finish the play and they make it really hard for these uh, defensive players to tackle these guys. These guys aren't getting any smaller, these receivers. And you only have a small area to tackle them. I, I think it's unfair in a way. Yeah, and it's crazy how, just thinking about it from his perspective, literally just change your perspective on which side you're on. I don't blame you for flip, flipping your uh, perspective on it because I flipped my perspective once I thought about his side of it. Uh, so it moves me into the last question about this actual subject, which is, is this the NFL really caring about the players that are on the field or this about the NFL's image? Well, the NFL is always about image. It's integrity to the game. And if you are messing with the integrity to the game, messing up the NFL's image, then they want to get rid of you. They don't want you to uh, stick around. Uh, when it comes to, but I would say comparing this to Colin Kaepernick, 
he was not a good look for them um, when it came to the outside view of the, the public view because people were saying, oh, I'm going to stop watching the game because these players are kneeling. Um, so they basically blackballed him from the NFL. Yeah. I, yeah, he did. They just blackballed him. And to answer the question whether I think it's about the players on the field or their image, as you said, yes, it's about image. Uh, they want to make an example of someone. They want to show that they are disciplined when they've shown to be nowhere near it. And that actually brings me back to my whole point in the beginning on what we actually allow in the NFL or what they allow in the NFL. When it comes to personal issues, and I also said they should get out of that game, but they are in this game right now. They're in the game of punishing people, whether, they, whether they've done something or not done something. Something, And as soon as you are serviceable again, where you can actually be on the field, they bring these players back on. People are now talking about this guy who's only gotten in trouble for a hit on a field, which this is the object of the game, now has lost income for a full season. Uh, so I completely think this is about their image or seeming like they're disciplinarians for people who are unruly when they want you to look over here as they let other things go by through the back door. I also think it's dealing with lawsuits when it comes to concussions. They want to try to get rid of that. So anybody who crosses that line, who looks like they're going to cause an image problem for the league, they want to get rid of that. Completely. I, I yeah, completely agree. And uh, just to move on to our last subject uh, before our questions. Uh, now, the NFC East is a great surprise this uh, past couple games. The Bucks. The Panthers and the Saints came out with wins with key pieces missing from two of those teams and not a lot being expected from the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers won against the Rams, who were in the Super Bowl just last year and also came into this game undefeated. They won 55-40, to 40, uh, putting up the most points they put up in a franchise uh, season ever in any uh, game. And the Panthers went against the Texans, who have been pretty hot this season, winning 16-10. to 10. And just not to forget, the Saints faced the Cowboys, who were undefeated also, and won 12-10. to 10. So which team is impressing you more at this point? Um, wow. It's very hard to choose. Um, really, for me... It's between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. Because in no way that I think that the Panthers could beat the Texans. Um, I, I didn't think the Buccaneers would beat the Rams, especially after losing to the Giants so terribly. But the Buccaneers, their offense is explosive. Like They look like they can score on almost anybody. Um, Jameis Winston, he looks very good. It's really their defense that lets uh, their team down as far as the Buccaneers but the Panthers, they, they are really holding on without Cam Newton. I'm not going to say his job is in jeopardy because uh, Kyle Allen, I think that's his name, he he played okay. Um, but I think most of the offense is running through Christian McCaffrey, and he's doing well in that part. Um, so it's really a tie for me when it comes to the Buccaneers and the Panthers. And I, I knew this was going to be a hard one to choose because they this division has just been a complete surprise. And uh, just to give a side shot, because there are four teams in the division, Atlanta is that bottom team that we did not uh, mention, who also lost 
And like I said in two episodes ago, I don't trust them. Uh, just to get off subject, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I yeah, they're say, trash. They're very trash. But uh, to say, I actually want to go with the Saints. I think they impressed me more. No one gave them much of a chance to win these last two games, much less uh, what what most of the games that they will have without having Drew Brees. But they show me that their team all around is a real team. They are a true threat in many different areas. Now, their defense is not extremely impressive, but they did hold the Cowboys to 10 points. And the Panthers' defense actually showed a whole lot there. They showed that they're a cohesive unit also, and that they can beat a good team, along with the Bucks. I'm highly surprised at all of them. But actually, you know what? I'm going to change my answer. I am surprised at the Bucks because even though in the beginning I said they had a chance, to win the division, they are truly showing they have a chance to win the division. Yeah. Um, after they beat the Panthers, I was like, yeah, they have a very good chance to win this division. Um, but it looks like they still have more competition rather than the Atlanta Falcons. I thought the Atlanta Falcons would be the one to challenge them. But the Falcons just look terrible. And Tampa Bay, they still do have a, a very good chance. But I always thought the Saints, they had a pretty well-rounded team. Um, Drew Brees just really puts them over the top. I, I think their defense has some playmakers on it. Um, and I know their offense does with Kamara and Thomas. Um, so they're a pretty well-rounded team. Um, the Panthers, I, they they are really surprising me. Um, I, I never thought that they would be winning these games without uh, Cam Newton. Yeah, they've shown a whole lot. I, like I, I knew it would be a hard choice because every one of these teams are extremely surprising. Uh, with of course Atlanta being the big disappointment, and we never should have had any much hope for them. Uh, but <laughs> which team is more likely to actually last out and win the division? Who is more likely? For me, um, it really depends on how long Drew Brees is out. Um, I'm not sure how long they can last without him when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater leading the team. If he's out for more than six to eight weeks, then I don't think they last as long. I think the Buccaneers will really be that team that rises up and lasts the, long, lasts the longest and win the division. I know I'm still hanging on this thing with the Buccaneers, but I, I'm, I'm going to keep on with that train. I'm not hopping off. Well, you, I, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Because, you know, I was leading the train in the beginning. You were really against getting on the train. Yeah, you, so you better stay on on this one. But, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but I'm going to say, I actually think who's most likely, just off of the evidence I currently have in front of me, who's most likely to win the division is going to be the Saints. they just proven that – and actually I shouldn't go with the Saints because – each year, the division winner changes, so I, it actually more odds for me choosing against them. Uh, but I still say the same. They show that they're a a co- cohesive unit. I think the Bucks is a very good team, but they don't really show consistency on their defensive side, and that's what you're going to need to win in this division, especially against the Saints if Drew Brees comes back. And the Saints have a serviceable quarterback behind them. He used to be a starting quarterback. He also knows their offense. And they also locked him up in a deal to make sure he was their backup just last year. So they do have who they want in position. The uh, Now, I wouldn't say the other teams don't, 
because uh, Jameis has been doing better than expected. But your boy with the Panthers, I, I don't see that lasting whether either one of them are starting. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before um, Kyle Allen really just goes downhill. He did have a couple of fumbles that were just terrible. But I think running the offense through McCaffrey has really helped, and um, that's the only thing keeping them together, along with some playmakers on the defense. Yeah, but I do, I do think this is the last year for Ron Rivera, and they're going to look for better uh, coaching going next year. I don't even know whether Cam will still be with the team, too. He's a little bit too eccentric and not present. Uh, uh, I think, hey, that's what's going on right now. I have to just call it out as it is. I still like Cam, but that's what's going on. Don't uh, do that to him. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to move it along right before the last questions. Uh, the Cowboys lost to the Saints. Uh, 10 to 12. So last question before we ask our trivia questions here. Does this show that the Cowboys are overrated or the Saints are underrated? I think it's a combination of both. I think the Saints, like we were just saying, they are a pretty well-rounded team. Um, Drew Brees puts them over the top. He puts the cherry on top. Um, The Cowboys... That competition in their first few games wasn't really that much. Um, their first game they played against the Giants, which is not that great of a team, especially when they had Eli Manning starting as the quarterback. And then you had the Redskins. As we see, they've getting blown out um, two games in a row. And then uh, what was the team they played the week before? Miami. Miami. <laughs> yeah, Miami Dolphins. So I, I think clearly taking. <laughs> yeah, so I think the the Cowboys, it was really their, their schedule made them look better than what they were. I think the Cowboys, they're still a pretty good team, but they're not this historic team that's just going to run through everybody. Yeah, uh, so I can agree today it's a combination of both, uh, but I would agree more. I kind of didn't want to have to do this to the Cowboys, but it just looks like the Cowboys are overrated. Uh, like you went over their schedule, the Giants, who really weren't that great, uh, whether it was with the backup quarterback, like they look good so far with the backup quarterback, Josh. Uh, whatever, I was about to say Josh Allen, but it's not Josh Allen. It's uh, um, something Daniels. Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Josh <laughs> Daniels. Um, but even there, they were playing Eli. So they won against that. And then they replaced him. Then you're playing against the two worst teams in the league. They are clearly the two worst teams in the league. Redskins, they weren't trying to tank, but they have ended up in a position where they're tanking. No matter how much they're run, uh, trying to swim against that current, that current is taking them in. They are going to be the bottom of the division. Miami is clearly purposely tanking. So, yes, I agree. Their, uh, their schedule is making them looking better than they actually are. So it is more likely that the Cowboys are overrated. And I do, do think it's a little bit uh, that we did not have as much faith in the team of the Saints that they are underrated. Yeah, and uh, the Cowboys, I think they're going to run into a little bit of trouble coming up. They have to play Green Bay, who's coming to town. And Aaron Rodgers is not happy about losing in that game last Thursday night. And that's uh, Cowboys, right? Yeah, against the Cowboys. So Green Bay plays against uh, the Cowboys. Yeah, I think it is trouble uh, coming about for them. And if they end up going 3-2, and two, 
I think it lowers uh, Dak Prescott's pockets, and it, it just turns around for uh, what's the coach name again? Uh, Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett. I think this ends up being his last year because they did not pick up his option uh, of signing him going into this year feeling confident. Really, when it comes to the Cowboys coach, I think if he has one good season every couple of years, they keep him around. It's like, okay, there's this excuse. Oh, we didn't have this person. We didn't have this person. That's why we had a bad season. And then they have kind of an overachieving year the next year, and and then they lose in the playoffs. So he still sticks around. So I'm thinking that he still sticks around for at least another two, three years. Well, I think the clock is clicking against him because they actually had a successful season last year. They had a very good season last year, and they're they're starting to go that way this year also. But the clock is ticking because uh, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is feeling the the I might die uh, type of life crisis right now. That is just what is true. It's just what's going on. And he feels if I need to do everything I need to to get a Super Bowl right now. Uh, before he might have been still resting on the 90 Super Bowls. Uh, but right now, he's like, man, I, he, his, just to kind of get off subject, he falls in love with the people. He falls in love with uh, Tony Romo. That's why he wouldn't replace him. Even though Tony Romo was a really good quarterback for them, he, his, he was also, he is currently also uh, married to Jerry Jones' dart. So you're going to kick out your uh, son-in-law. This is not happening. Along with Jerry Jones, along with Jason Witten, these are his good old boys. He knows right now that that did not get him a Super Bowl like he preferred it. So he's at a point where I think he would cut bait with Jason Garrett uh, simply because he wants to see a Super Bowl in the, the window of time where he might actually be able to get it. Yeah, um, but what coach is out there for them to get that, to that point? I, I don't see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be hard. Like, that's going to be a hard situation, but I don't think he's scared to pull a trigger now because they had a good season last year, and he's already chosen, even after a very, 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 very good start, and pretty much feeling like they are the best, one of the best teams out here coming this year, that he still held back on paying them and now sees that, I just don't think he's scared anymore. I think even though they had a good year last year, he will get rid of Jason Garrett, and he's the only movable person because they're not getting rid of Zeke and they're not getting rid of uh, Dak. I mean, they should have been got rid of him anyway. So yeah, that, yeah, that's <laughs> it's, it's long overdue. I agree. I agree. Uh, but uh, this does round up uh, this episode of So You Think You Know Sports. We go into the last part, which is trivia part. Three quick questions uh, about sports trivia. Your guess is about as good as mine. Muhammad knows the questions. I try to guess the answers. So let's go ahead and start with the first question. All right, first question. Which of the following people are not a part of LeBron James' inner circle of friends? A, Maverick Carter. B, Randy Mims. Or C, Savannah James. Oh, that was kind of hard. So yeah, I, I see you didn't put Rich Paul in there. <laughs> That's too obvious. His name That's comes up the most. Exactly, exactly. Uh, 
So I know, I, I know I can count on one of these names that because I know for a fact he in that uh, in his crew. But the other two, it's going to be harder for me to kind of guess here. So go ahead and repeat the question and answer again for him. Which of the following people are not a part of LeBron James' inner circle of friends? A. Maverick Carter, B. Randy Mims, or C. Savannah James. Mm. And inner circle, does that also count like uh, wives, girlfriends, stuff like that? I mean, not girlfriends, but like wives and uh, daughters and stuff like that? No, just friends. You know, friends. the ones that he grew up with. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I already know the first person. What was the first person's name? Maverick Carter. Maverick Carter, I know for a fact in LeBron's crew, so I'm going to make sure, I'm sure, I'm counting him out. I know I was sure before in the last episode, but yeah, I'm counting him out. Um, uh, but I, I know you are about giving me tricky questions or me overthinking type questions. Uh, so, uh, I would say Safari or the last C, but you know what? I'm gonna just go with it and not try to overthink it. I'll say that C is not the person. Safari or whatever the name. <laughs> that that is correct. It's Savannah James. That's his Savannah. Name. Okay, I thought so because I thought that was his wife. Like it, I, that's why I was like, it, I could have sworn I know that name, but I, I don't know that as his friend. So yeah, okay, it worked perfect. Um, <laughs> go ahead with the second question. Which of the following NFL quarterbacks has the most game-winning drives? Since 2016, A. Dak Prescott, B. Russell Wilson, or C. Matt Ryan. Ooh, this is a hard, hard question because the way we talk about Atlanta Falcons, you would think I would automatically be saying Matt Ryan because we kind of feel he's kind of trash, not trash, but is trash because there's so high expectation for him. Uh, but that's just to get a little bit off subject. Um, yeah, just go ahead again with the question and answer, and I'll go ahead and answer for you. I, I'm not exactly sure on my answer yet. Which of the following NFL quarterbacks has the most game-winning drives since 2016? A, Dak Prescott, B, Russell Wilson, or C, Matt Ryan? And what's the first one again, A? Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, okay. Uh, so... I would be inclined to say Russell Wilson because he just he seems like he would be that person. But I don't think that's the answer. Um, and Dak Prescott, he's been pretty efficient at quarterback, but I don't think he has that type of record either. So I'm actually going to go with Matt Ryan as much as we talk trash about him. That is wrong. Oh, who is it? Yeah. It's actually Dak Prescott. You know, wow. if you were watching the game for uh, Sunday Night Football, they said that Dak Prescott was tied with Drew Brees in game-winning drives since 2016. Well, let you know, I have a job on Monday. It can't be staying up for a late game. <laughs> but, yeah, I, did, I didn't catch that last night, so I did get that one wrong. Uh, I, that is a big surprise, though, that it would be Dak Prescott. I thought it was a different type of trick question because I do think Matt Ryan has records in other ways. He just chokes when it comes to the Super Bowl. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Um, okay. But just just going back to that game, he played very well. It's yeah, he bad, did. He did. It's bad play calling. That's what it was. I guess they came up cold for the last little part of that uh, game, and that's all she wrote. Uh, I mean, Super Bowl and their whole. Really, I think their heart was taken in that Super Bowl, and that's why they haven't been good going forward, even though Matt Ryan has great weapons. Yeah, he underachieves with his weapons. But you drop back to pass on third and two? Why? That's just so stupid. Well, ask the Seahawks the same thing. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but they were up by a lot now. You drop back no, to pass no. on third and two? I'm, I'm talking about the... um. The the Falcons. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, but even like stupid play calling, it happens to happens to teams, even though uh, they shouldn't play the calls like that. I we'll we're we're going too deep into that anyway because they're not worth the conversation uh, right now. (laughs) (laughs) I keep throwing dirt on their name, but go ahead with the last question, Violet. What is the average number of years a quarterback plays in the NFL? A three. B, five, or C, seven? Ooh, that is hard. Like, that's like, because that's a hard question to kind of answer because I would normally think about all the popular quarterbacks, but I think those are the the exceptions to the rule and not the totality of all the quarterbacks that enter the league. So is it about a question about all the quarterbacks or is it about more starting quarterbacks? This is just every single quarterback that enters the league. Okay, so now that gives me a bigger, uh, a better idea on these things because most people would think NFL, just to kind of get off a little on subject, but off subject, you would think that a lot of NFL players have longer careers than two to three years, but that's the average of all football players on how long they're in the league. So, quarterback, I think, might be a little different. and so go ahead and one more time with the question and answers, because I really just need to hear the numbers. What is the average number of years a quarterback plays in the NFL? A, three, B, five or C, seven? I'm not going to go with the high number on this one, because I don't think overall all these quarterbacks stay in the league for seven years, much less starting quarterbacks. So. Yeah, I'm not going with seven. Five would sound about right, but I think it's a sadder answer than we all think. So I'm going to go with my heart, which is going to be three. That is correct. Ah, sad, 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 sad. We'll go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, that's. I think that's basically around the average number of years for every player, really. Um, yeah. When you go by position, running backs, I think, are the least. Offensive linemen, actually, just about a half year more than three, about three and a half years. Quarterbacks, you know, three. Um, wide receivers, around three. So just about every player is around three years. Well, then what magic juice is Tom Brady drinking? Uh He's probably got some uh, PEDs or something. I don't know. What's that uh, Carbo 30 thing he got? The Tebow, TB12. Yeah, TB12. Uh, yeah, that's that's. we can check that out. We need to start testing for that. 
Well, when you say that, um, <laughs> people are actually saying that he might be injured. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I agree. Well, but that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, no, well, you can kind of round it out because it is being said that um, he's been, he's hurt right now, and that's why they kind of played that way on Sunday. He's been sitting out of uh, practices during the week, uh, but has been there for the games. Well, I, I think it's a combination of both the Bills' defense and the injury, and he just did not play well. Um, and he didn't have the assortment of weapons that he usually has. And along with the rest of the team being injured, Really, the defense looks the healthiest. They have um, everybody firing on all cylinders. And I'm thinking they're averaging around two or three interceptions per game right now. So the defense is very good, well-stacked, and playing very well. Yeah, y'all are going to really need it because, I, like, I just looked at your the rest of the Patriots' schedule. And I, at first I was saying they're probably going to go undefeated because they have a, a whole team there. But your schedule is kind of hard uh, when it comes to the rest of the season. I I don't think it's very hard. I think there's definitely some easy games in there, especially the, the two coming up um, as far as the Redskins. The Giants, I mean, that, that might be a little bit surprising, but it's a short week. Um, and I think they play the Ravens right after that. So um, I think that's I, when I'm, it starts to heat up. Uh, but um, just to kind of round out on this, do you have it pulled up? Their schedule? Yeah. Uh, let, let me uh, get it real quick. Actually, I have it here. So pretty much after they have like three easy games, which is going to be uh, the Redskins, the Giants, and then the Jets. Now, you might have played some competition with the Browns, but you're probably going to smack them. Then you got the Ravens. <laughs> Which that would probably be a good competition. Eagles could be a tough competition. Then Cowboys, that could be a tough competition. Along with the Texans, the Chiefs, which is definitely going to be a big competition. Y'all going to smash the Bengals. Uh, Buffalo might come back and try to get one of the go even in the, the, uh, the rest of the year. And then you play the Miami Dolphins for the last game. So they'll probably sit Tom Brady for that game. Well, when I think about the Bills game, um, that that game will be at home. They had to play at the Bills. So I, I'm pretty sure this will be an easier game playing at home when it comes to the Bills game. Mm. Yeah, so I, I, I completely agree. Uh, but we've kind of moved on a, a little bit longer than after the questions. <laughs> so this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Follow us on IG, Twitter. Uh, check out our YouTube videos and video previews on ig comment uh share let your friends know about us this has been so you think you know sports good night